0: Okay, hello. Welcome to Sack King's Therapy, episode 145. Uh, We are actually coming to you after the Spurs game right now. Uh, We meant to do a Grizzlies game, but there were some technical difficulties, and uh, that episode is probably not going to get published because of those technical difficulties. Um, So we originally recorded a podcast about it. Um and unfortunately, again, it just wouldn't publish properly. So we are gonna scrap that basically that episode and we're just gonna quickly recap what happened in the Grizzlies game and uh then we'll move on to the Spurs game. And of course, with me to break it down is Bong. He is still here. Hello. Okay. So to quickly kind of go over the uh Grizzlies game, we were at the game. Um that was like it, it was going good actually to start. Uh, The Kings got to a 15 point lead at one point in the second quarter, but then they just ran into a series of just, you know, silly. They made a series of very silly mistakes. Um, You know, basically everyone had a turnover during that run. And basically they let the Grizzlies uh, get back into it. That 15 point lead turned into a two point deficit by the end of the quarter. And then the third quarter was just a bit of a slog with the Grizzlies kind of slowly and slowly just kind of, building a lead while the Kings struggled to you know, make shots and get good shots. And then by the start of the fourth, they were down, I believe, 16. And then it just kind of got worse from there. And they, I think they went on a 10-0 run to open the quarter, and the game was over. Um, that is basically the gist of the entire uh, game. Anything else you want to add, Fong?
1: Mm, to be honest, not really because i i felt like i forgot a lot of the game to be honest if you know what i mean
0: and you know you guys aren't going to get the episode but yeah fong didn't really have much to say about the game on on that episode
1: it's a it's a very demoralizing loss and you know uh like you said our streak continues of uh games that we go to where we haven't seen a win yet so hopefully the next game we go to live will end up with a win (laughs)
0: and um, you know we'll get to that in a bit but you know i'm I'm not one for moral victories but it was good to see the kings kind of fight uh the way they did they really didn't they basically kind of the reason why they got out to a 15 point lead at least one of the reasons i think is because they kind of punched the grizzlies in the mouth to start who kind of came in looking like they probably thought they were going to get an easy game like the kings had what well they, they played 11 players but the reality is they only have like seven rotational level players and it looked like the Grizzlies kind of underestimated them for a little bit until they kind of got themselves uh, settled and, you know, right. Re- I guess ready to attack. Um, but for a moment there, like the Kings showed a lot of fight, showed a lot of heart and made and, you know, didn't make it easy on the Grizzlies. They had to fight. Fu- they had to they had to work for that win. Um, although I know it was I know it kind of It was a blowout of the second, but like the first half, it was competitive.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I just uh unfortunate that we got quite a few turnovers that pretty much went to easy uh grizzly points, but man, that oh, what's his name? Dylan Brooks. I don't know why even though he had 10 for 20 this game, it felt like he he was unstoppable.
0: So that's the weird thing. I honestly didn't think he played that well, but like he uh, ended up having a good stat line. I thought he was way more dominant in the in the Grizzlies game in Memphis. For some reason, mm-hmm. even though he shot, I think eight for 22, I think was his final stat line. I thought he was a lot better in that game and he shot worse in this game. It didn't. I don't think he plays that well. Well, like he had a lot of shots, but I didn't think it was 10 for 20. I thought he was like, eight again, eight for 22 or something like that. But, but such as such as kind of the story with him. But yeah. And then like um one funny note that I, I wrote down about the game um Kyle Anderson had a 666 six, six stat line six rebound or six points six assists six rebounds that was kind of funny um <laughs> but other than that like you know everyone got to play Kata Kada, for the first time ever got got to play he ended up he ended up with one block and I think one assist but he really should have had two blocks he had uh, two blocks at the end of the half so that was pretty cool um Desmond Bain is really good like how the Grizzlies found him I know I know he was like the 30th pick or something but like man that was a that's a steal. He's a really good player. And then, you know, uh Dylan Brooks is good. Like they have they can just plug guys in into their offense and they just seem to excel. Like, you know, credit to, um I think I think it's Jacob or Taylor Jenkins, I think is the coach's name. Like he's done a good job of coaching up that team. Like they don't have Jaw and they're they've been 9 and 1 since Shaw's been out.
1: Man, that's crazy. Jeez. Is there a projected date where Jaws going to come back?
0: Uh, No. He's been... So, like, the only updates are from are via his Twitter account, where he okay. says, close, but, you know, whatever that means. But, like, the fact that they can play so well without Jaw and again, just plug guys in, like, I think Conchar and Killy... I think Killy and Tilly, I think is his name. Like, they can just plug these guys in, and they play their role, and, like, Desmond Bain, he stepped up. Jaron Jackson, they've stepped up. This is good coaching. Like, You know, all the credit in the world to him. And, you know, talk about coaching like Doug Christie. He's gotten these Kings to play a little harder. Now, is it is it just because of Doug or, you know, is it also because of, you know, that players meeting that happened? Like the the team looks like they play more connected and play a lot harder than they were during kind of those during those losing streaks. There might be something there for the Kings, even though they did get blown out. Like Mm -hmm. they're they're down so many guys. And you would think like you would think like with the way they've been playing, like they would just lay down and die or play dead, essentially. Like, but instead they're fighting. So maybe there's something there for the Kings to work off of.
1: Oh, yeah. Once we find how we could fit these pieces together, I'm pretty sure we could hold off until the starters come back.
0: Yeah. And, you know, about the starters, like the, the, the it's tricky with me. Like we talked about this in the original pot in the original episode, like. I think the trade has to come down at some point. I just like the thing with the starters coming back. I don't know. I'm. I can't say for sure. Like that makes the team, you know, better. Like it, it's kind of the same way with Jaw being out. Like they played so well since Jaw's been out. I think they were nine nine for ten. Like nine wins, ten ten losses, and then all of a sudden they go on a nine and one run. Is it on Jaw that they're that they were bad during that run? No. But like the thing is, it's hard to. It's weird how sometimes, like, the Kings just play better when they're just more desperate. It shows with a lot of teams. And, you know, I'm not saying the Grizzlies are playing more desperately, but, like, the fact that they can do this without Jaw, like, I guess Ja fits seamlessly back in. But, but like, it, you know, not every—it's not a seamless transition uh, back, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, once the starters come back in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. I, I ultimately think a trade will come down and kind of needs to come down. Cause I, you know, ultimately I'm on the train of like this team just doesn't fit all that well together. And right now with kind of all with just like spots back open, guys are, you know, playing certain roles and kind of playing above their head a little bit and it's working, you know, to a certain degree, but like, you know, once like Fox comes back, Davion comes back, uh, Terrence Davis comes back, there will be less shots to go around, and you know people have to pick their spots a little bit more. And you know, and like a lot of times they seem to struggle.
1: Yeah, I guess we shall see how. Oh, well, by that time, I think Alvin will be back uh, coaching them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, that, that's another thing. Like, you know, Alvin will be back. Like, we'll see if there's a change there as well. Like, Doug, I feel, has done a pretty good job of getting these guys to play a lot harder. And, mm-hmm. again, whether or not that's Doug, you know, you can't fully prove it. Like, maybe just a spark has kind of hit – kind of – we can say that there's been a spark within the team. They're playing harder. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see if this maintains. Mm-hmm. OK, now on to the uh, game that just happened, you know, a happier occasion uh, against the Spurs. The Kings beat the Spurs in the Golden One Center 121 to 114. So the Spurs, they come they come in and they basically just the, the Kings played a good game overall. I thought like they they take care of business on their home floor while being shorthanded, no less like it got kind of ugly at times, particularly at the beginning of the third but the Kings managed to kind of weather the storm on like the, on multiple runs that the Spurs made. They s- simply hit shots and they played. J- I say just good enough defense to kind of e- kind of basically win going away.
1: Yeah, I gotta say, I I would say probably most of the game. Uh, it seemed like a pretty good back and forth kind of game in, in my opinion where you know spurs kind of score on one end and we try and make something out in the other end but yeah and you know to be honest yeah both teams did kind of fumble the ball quite a few times uh and you know it, it pretty much worked out at the end to be honest
0: Yeah, and the Kings were led for much of the game. Other than that, other than that ugly run in the third, like they basically controlled the game for the most part, like Mm -hmm. throughout the game, and it was it was really nice to see. Um, the like Halliburton, of course, the what I call the orchestrator of the of the team, like he ended up with eleven assists, although two got actually wiped off at halftime. So, you know, if you want to go conspiracy theory route, he technically had thirteen assists, Mm -hmm. but. The that so he did that, which is his usual thing. But what was different about this game, he attacked and looked for a shot a lot. Like he ended up um, three for five from the three point line, but also just constantly attacked the rim, got some mid range jumpers, but also just went straight to the rim and used his length to just finish over guys. Like he, like there was one where he just basically took two giant steps towards the rim and just laid in over his guy and then just constantly attacking Yaka and, and just scoring over and around him. Like it, it's, it, that's something different from him. Like I would love to see this more often, but like, that's the kind of thing where like to, like when Fox comes back, I don't know he's if he's going to do this, but like this version of Halliburton is the best kind of Halliburton. Ended up with 27 points and 11 assists. Like that's a great game from him.
1: Yeah, he really felt it this game, man. and yeah, when you mentioned Fox coming back, uh, that's kind of hard to say if he's gonna stick like this. Which you know, in previous in games with Fox in, yeah, he 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 is not like this. So hopefully uh, we'll find a good medium in the future. But going back to his assist numbers, yeah, he did have 11, but. He he pretty much only had or he got like what ten in just the first half and only one in the second. I'm I'm just wondering uh why don't we run the offense more through him uh during the second half?
0: Oh, they tried. Is this uh remember that third quarter run I told you about? That was really uh, ugly. No mm. one was hitting shots so. Hard to get assists when your guys don't get shots. But, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, th- th- that's another thing we have to probably look at, like, what is going on in the halftime. Because, mo- like, I've pointed out multiple times, the movement just dies in the second half for whatever reason. And, you know, ultimately they got back on track, but they came out so flat. Like, no one was moving. No one was, like, setting. Like, it's basically a screen and roll with, like, Tristan Thompson, and that's about it. And then they mm-hmm. try and score. And it usually... You know, it ends up in a long jumper or a rush shot. Like, it was was a really ugly run. I know I keep going back to it, but that, yeah, that third quarter stood out to me, but they were able to weather the storm. The only thing I will say about Halliburton this game no free throws. 27 points, but no free throws.
1: I I guess he didn't get any calls. I mean, he he seemed pretty comfortable. No, I don't remember a time where he, like, complained about a shot or an and one or, or potential and one.
0: So, like, that hole will be filled when De'Aaron Fox comes back. But I still want to see this level of aggressiveness from Halliburton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like, him sc- – if he's able to score, like, somewhere in the 15 to 20 points per game, that's great for the Kings. Like, Kings will win those games more often than not when he's scoring. Mm-hmm. And he should have scored more. He's a good he's, – he's a great kind of – you know, table setter, like attacker. He's one of the most efficient players on the team. He Actually, I think he is the most efficient player on the team. Like, he needs to take more shots. I know it's not in his DNA, but he needs to change that about him. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's move on to Buddy Heal. Did not start the game well at all. Like, he he was pretty bad. Well, like, I wouldn't say he was bad, but he wasn't doing anything on offense for the first three quarters. I think he had one three, and then like, had a, maybe a layup. like I think he had like two free throws and a layup, and somewhere in there but like he was not good um throughout like he didn't play that much like he didn't play a crazy amount in the the third quarter either but once like towards the end of the third quarter i believe he hit a three and that basically got him going and in the fourth he just he just caught fire like just started just hitting all every single shot particularly the ones that stood out was the, the bad buddy threes he just he just hit every single shot and there were moments where like I say don't shoot that shot or like that's a terrible shot but it goes in so like again what the hell do I know ended up 10 for 10 for 18 from the floor and 7 for 9 from 3 a rare stat line for Buddy
1: yeah I mean can't really complain about that fourth quarter for Buddy but I think overall in terms of his defense and what am I saying his his defense uh, overall, this game was kind of hit or miss. But he did try. He did try, you know, in terms of rebounding and trying to get steals and deflections. I give him that.
0: Yeah, and you know, like and to start that fourth quarter, that prob- what probably got him going. Like he, he he got a layup and then got a deflection on the other end. He definitely turned mm-hmm. up the intensity t- intensity on that end. The only thing I will say about him on defense, like we know he's not a good defender, but the insistence of the coaching staff to always put him on like a, a very good perimeter player is just confusing. Like they had guys you could guard, like put him on Derek White more. I know he was on him a, quite a bit, but like there are just moments where I'm like, why is he on? Why is he on to John St. Like, why is he on Lonnie Walker? Just put Harrison Barnes on one of those guys and then just have him guard the other guy. Like, and this was during the, uh, the Grizzlies game as well. I was like, why is he guarding Desmond Bain? Have him guard Tilly, have him guard Conchar and have Harrison Barnes take the other guy. Like, they were on the floor at the same time. Like, why does the coaching staff insist on him guarding, you know, a better perimeter player?
1: Uh, Who knows? We're not the coaches.
0: Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like, the players might as well be licking their lips every time. Like, it's just, why do they keep putting him on? And also, another weird thing about Buddy this game, Buddy usually has the best plus minus no matter what. Like, if you look at a lot of the losses, he's usually the one with the best plus plus, minus. This game, he played well, especially to end end the game, but somehow ended a minus one, which is just weird to me.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird. I guess, I don't know. Depends on when he's in. I mean, they did play, or Buddy, Tyrese, and Harrison Barnes did play 40 minutes, and it seemed like they played a lot of those minutes in the first half, but I don't know. Just don't know.
0: And that's another thing. Because the games are shorthanded, they have to play guys a lot of minutes. They, Like, I have a stat here. Like, Halliburton and Harrison played 21 of the of the 24 first half minutes. Like, granted, like, they didn't end with a crazy – I mean, Barnes ended up playing 40. Buddy ended up playing 40. And Halliburton ended up playing 37, which is actually pretty low. Uh, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Because he got – I think he got four fouls at one point, and, uh And uh, Doug decided to sit him. But – like, man, I mean, this is how it's going to have to be until, like, we get the cavalry back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, Harrison Barnes, honestly, like, he did... He, I'm not saying he was bad, but he was very quiet for much of the game, but he did have stretches of just be, what I call being the foundation of the team. Like, where he's just, you know, driving to the rim with his weird, unorthodox style. Like I mentioned to you, it's like a mix between Giannis and... Um, Kyle Anderson like the the long steps of Giannis like driving to the rim and also the the speed of Kyle Anderson where it's so slow and so that it's so that it's basically it throws the timing of the defender off because it's so slow and he's able to like finish like and or like draw fouls like he built he built a foundation for the Kings to kind of finish that game although a lot of just like there I feel he, he should always attack more and get more shots because he is good enough to do that. He has the same issue as Tyrese, where he's one of the better offensive players on the team, but he doesn't attack the way like the, one of the better offensive players on the team should. Like instead, those like who gets more, sh- gets a bunch of shots. Buddy, like he's, he was good this game, but like Buddy gets a lot of those shots as well. Some of them should be going to Harrison instead.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he did get five for six uh, free throws this game as well, so I. Oh no! I guess uh, whatever, whenever we're in a pinch, we'll turn to Mr. Reliable.
0: Um, Metu, like you know, not a great shooting night again from him. He was, I think, it was five for sixteen or something. Um, the, the in the Grizzlies game, but he always plays with energy, and you know, like he's always a guy that I say cherishes his minutes. He plays with energy, and you know, he was actually originally drafted by the Spurs. And there might be some beef there because he always plays very hard against the Spurs. Ended up with four steals and constantly fighting for rebounds. Like during the Grizzlies game, he was constantly like, you know, grabbing tough rebounds and just fighting down there. Now, he, of course, he needs more help down there because, like, I feel like the, the guards just need to help him out sometimes a little bit more often. Like, he can't be the only guy rebounding, but he fights for those rebounds and he plays hard every second he's out there.
1: Oh yeah, very glad to have him on the team.
0: Yeah, I just wish you would. I just wish he would kind of dial back some of the some of the kind of tough shots that he takes. Is the is the only, the only yeah. thing I have against him. He's not a good. He's not a great sh- shooter. He definitely is a scorer that doesn't hit that many shots. So it's, it's not a great recipe.
1: Yeah, he's definitely the kind of guy where I'm like, oh, he's – uh, whenever he drives to the rim, I kind I, I kind of feel a little iffy, but some, somehow he makes it out uh, with something, maybe a mid range or I remember a couple times in the past of uh, uh, what you would call turn turn around uh, fade away for, for some reason. Didn't expect that from him to be honest.
0: Okay, well let's uh, let's move on to Tristan Thompson. Tr- Tristan was he was not great this game. Like the moments that I paid attention to him. Like it, you know, whenever he, whenever Tyrese passed him the ball on a roll, it, just, it usually ended pretty ugly. Um, he's, it, you know, he just can't, he just can't really help you on that end. But like, you know, he does fight for rebounds, and he kept Jakubertel and the other big men off the boards just enough for, you know, the Kings to get to get a flow going, and you know, not have to basically constantly worry about giving up the offensive rebound
1: yeah i mean i don't really have any complaints for tristan this game uh, other than you know I, I guess sometimes uh i i guess ball security in terms of uh on the offensive end
0: he definitely gets up gets like you know he definitely gets tunnel vision sometimes when he gets the offensive rebound like there's t- like guys around him and you know just pass it back out like yeah i don't i don't love it when he goes up with it it's just he's not a good finisher he can't really get up anymore like you know just be a little bit more conservative about going up for going up for the putback and like, he's just mm-hmm. he's just not that guy anymore and you know like i will say like R- rashawn is coming back soon and like mean and you know tristan didn't play that many minutes this game but like you know the we don't have much of a choice, so we have to play Tristan as you know um, minutes. But like he, you know, he he's a very limited player, and you you know he shouldn't be playing as many minutes as he should. But we don't have a choice at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe you know, maybe we'll give some to Nymaias sometime before the starters come back.
0: Maybe I would put him behind um, Jones. Just because, like, like it's, like, it's he—he's definitely going to be something. Like uh, in the Memphis game, he showed some flashes of being a, a pretty of like a, he's definitely a project. But he showed flashes of like some he might be something special. But it's gonna take a while. I think he needs to work it into his body a little bit more. He doesn't seem to move all that well, and it looks like he's just getting used to his body. If that makes any sense. Like he's just, he's so big, so long. But like his, you know, his body, his mind and body haven't caught up to each other just yet. Mm, I
1: mean, I guess a little more practice and uh, conditioning, and possibly maybe another year or two, and he'll be NBA ready.
0: Hopefully, but like yeah, Keta has shown something. I, I would be very intrigued as the uh, as the season goes on to see more of him. Oh yeah. Um. Let's move on to Mo Harkless. So Mo Harkless. Like, on the stat sheet, not much to really write home about. Two for three had, had two really nice layups and dunks. But, like, he was a game-high plus 15. He just played—he's he, a smart defender. There's a lot of stuff he does that you don't notice because he doesn't make all that many mistakes. The only mistake he usually—that I usually see from him is that he does help a little too much and, re, and relies on his leg to recover so, and ends up just giving up an open shot or a back cut. That's the only issue I have with him, but— Smart veteran and always, as I said, like before, it's not a coincidence like that. The defense is better when he's out there.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, should we mentioned about the after the first quarter?
0: I, I, yeah, I have a note here. But uh, basically, Sean Cunningham um, filmed a clip of basically after the first quarter, Mo got really heated and we see him yelling, yelling in the direction of Buddy Heel, who's sitting down. And we don't we don't know yet what it was about. There's nothing that has come out yet, but it seems like you know my my um, speculation will be some sort of missed um, defensive assignment assignment. And you know, like I get like i I would have loved to see more of that just because like Buddy does make a lot of mistakes, and you all we've always talked about does someone get into him about his mistakes? And you know, finally I guess like this it's finally made it onto, made it onto the court now.
1: Yeah. Let's see if this
0: keeps up to be honest. And I don't know if this affected buddy much at all, but like (laughs) he was pretty timid for, for a while up until that fourth quarter. Like, and of of course, like, you know, again, buddy makes mistakes and someone needs to hold him accountable. And hopefully this is a good kind of argument where they can squash the beef. At least, at least like on the court, it looked fine. Like it was, Although I will say there were quite a few moments where Buddy was open and people weren't passing to him. It was pretty bizarre to watch. Like, hopefully this doesn't turn into anything bad, or this, could, or you know, you know, Lord knows, like this could be turned into something good. Maybe, like you know, Buddy is Buddy becomes a little bit more focused on defense and stops making the same mistakes that he always makes.
1: Well, maybe, but I don't know. I don't think it will happen overnight, to be honest.
0: Well, yeah, we we'll, we'll have a game tomorrow, so we'll see if it happens overnight. <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing. But, um, yeah, yeah, overall, I thought Mo Harkless was really good. I'm, I'm glad he's playing more. Like, I was advocating for to play. I know he has spacing issues with him just because, like, he's just – he's not a good shooter at all. But, like, he's a smart enough cutter, like, to be able to make up for some of that. And then, like, he provides so much on defense. Like – you know, if the Kings ever want to like, you know, be competent on defense. I think he has. He's going to have a huge role to play in that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, Damian Jones. Damian Jones. I in the original podcast that me and Bong recorded, I I was pretty harsh on Damian Jones. A lot of that. A lot of that. Um, a lot of the Kings losing the 15 point lead in the Grizzlies game. Part like it wasn't. It wasn't fully his fault, but he was part of it. Like he just he just looked off. And then like after a few mistakes that he made, like he looked like he was in his head and just and of course he didn't play in the second half. This game, he picked it back up. He was a huge spark for the Kings. He he got a career high, 23 points, eight rebounds. I don't know if that's a career high, but he also hit two threes. And he was just crucial for the Kings, like get, getting a cushion and also just like getting everything kind of flowing. He was also really good at cleaning up messes that. You know, his teammates left for him. There was one layup where Jemias Ramsey missed for absolutely no reason. And guess what? Like, Damian Jones is right there to kind of clean up that mess and kind of keep and get the ball rolling for the Kings.
1: Yeah, really no complaints from Damian Jones this game, to be honest. Um, But let's see uh, if this keeps up because, you know, he's going to have to be that uh, second unit center that we need for the Warriors game tomorrow.
0: The the only thing with him is that I don't know why, like, he, he probably, like, needs more time with Halliburton, but, like, I don't think he will, just because with Rashawn coming back, it's probably not going to get that many chances, but, like, th- th- I would think there would be a better lob chemistry between him and uh, Halliburton, but it's not there, like, at I, least right now. It might, it might be later on, mm-hmm. but, but, like, if he ever does get more minutes, but, like yeah like you would think with just how he loves to murder the rim halliburn would be a perfect <laughs> lob guy for him but again the chemistry isn't really there not yet and i don't know if it's going to be able to develop just because he probably isn't going to play much once rashad comes back
1: yeah sadly but at least he does cut to the rim when uh you know there's an opportunity
0: Um, last guy from the Kings. I want to quickly talk about Jemais Ramsey. looks like he had the best run of his, of his career so far as a pro on the, on the main roster Kings. He had basically seven quick points that kind of sparked the Kings in the fourth uh, in the fourth to kind of get the ball rolling. Like he had, he had two layups and a basically a 30 footer, um, that off of a broken play. Like You know, it's good to see like he's able to kind of find a little bit more of a rhythm. There, he's got he's got some work to do, but there's something with Jemias too. Like I'm interested in see what he what he turns into. Is he gonna be another kind of spark plug guy off the bench for us going forward?
1: Uh, I'd say pretty much to be honest. I don't think he'll be able to get more than probably this many minutes to be honest. Uh, in future games, like he played what eight minutes thirty seconds. I -hmm. think that's about. The amount of time we're able to give them to be a, uh, until the starters come back.
0: I mean, yeah, again, like with you know, if with us, well, at least me. I don't, I don't know about you. Like we're eyeing some trades. Like we have mm. an oversaturation of guards. You know, I imagine some team would like a guard. I am a Sixer, maybe, but uh, like you know, like. <laughs> We have an overabundance of guards and centers. Like mm-hmm. at some point, you kind of have to get rid—not get rid of them—like trade them for more wings. I mean, granted, everyone's looking for wings, but like, and so, yeah, uh, let's let's see what happens once you know the uh, Kings engage in you know multiple trades. Like what? Like let's look at what happens after dust settles.
1: Yeah, I guess we shall see.
0: Um, quickly shout out some uh. Um, Spurs players, Keldon Johnson was pretty good. I, wow, five for 14. I did not realize that he was that he shot that badly, but I did not know he was a three point shooter. Apparently, he's shooting 46% this year. Um, and to John T. Murray, just got to his spot whenever he wanted and lit up the Kings from mid range. I well, I don't have PTSD, but I remember very. Cl- very clearly like him absolutely lighting up the Kings last year in that huge game against the Spurs late in the season, just got to his spots and just was unstoppable. And then of course, Lonnie Walker, Lonnie Walker was nice, but I don't think he scored. I don't think he did much of anything in the second half. He had, I remember he had a lot of points in the first half, but I don't remember if he scored in the second.
1: Yeah, not much to be honest.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, that's all we have for the Spurs game. Um, quickly go over some extra topics. Um, so, th- um, this was brought up after uh, after the uh, Wizards game. Harrison Barnes basically asked the reporters, should DeMarcus Cousins have his jersey retired, um, was the question. And surprisingly, the online response, very, very mixed.
1: Really? Very mixed? <laughs>
0: James like, Ham James Ham was not a, was not a proponent of this. Um, oh. Sean Cunningham was one. I imagine Jason Jones would be a huge would be a huge advocate for this. And then like from what I saw from like the comments section, it, I would even say like there were actually more people saying that they should retire it.
1: Really, a lot of people say shouldn't. Shouldn't. Uh, I didn't. We should, to be
0: honest. I mean, for what he did, like, you know, on, on the court, like, outside of not winning, he did a lot. Like, he was legitimately, arguably, the the number one or number two center in the league for a, a good stretch of years. Granted, the, the um, granted, those center rotation or the center uh, market at that point was terrible. Like, DeAndre Jordan, I will never forget, was somehow all NBA first team. And I don't think he was ever good. That's just me. But, like he was legitimately one of the best centers in the league at that point. And it like part, and, you know, I talk, I hear James Ham talk about it. Like, you know, part of the, part of the reason why the Kings never found success was part of DeMarcus. DeMarcus was pretty awful as a teammate and just a little bit of just kind of being toxic in the locker room. That was a very real thing. But the th- thing I always point back to is like, you have a front office that come, completely dropped the ball with their with their drafting and some of like their handling of like just stuff that was outside of um outside of DeMarcus's control and they never really put a great team around him. You of course you can bring up the fact like they had the Darren Collison, Rajant Rondo stuff, but it was all but then it was mixed in with the George Carl stuff. Like that never worked out. And then like of course, you know you had the Rudy Gay, Isaiah Thomas stuff. Like that just ended up not working out unfortunately. But like I feel I feel it's more on the front office than it is really that much to do with Demarcus.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean it's too late now, of course, but I don't know if things did change. I, I still wouldn't see us winning too many games, to be honest. I don't know. It's hard to say now, to be honest.
0: Look, if you want to go even farther back, you know, whiffing on Damian Lillard, whiffing on <laughs> and then, of course, like the Mike Malone stuff. That's three straight years of bullshit of <laughs> just what the fuck were you guys thinking? Well, we know what the, we know what they were thinking. It's just God damn. How do you fuck up three years in a row and somehow it somehow almost gets worse every year? Like just just right there. You can just point to that for why the Kings sucked for so many years. Like mean, just botching the draft. Botching front office decision, botching the coaches' decisions as well. Like as soon as Mike Malone was hired, he was already on the hot seat. Like how does that even possible? It's, I mean, uh, yeah. it's one of those things, but I, I think ultimately he should get his jersey retired. Like I br- I bring up the on court stuff, like you know that you know that can be hit or miss, but like the stuff he did on the or off the court was great. It's great in the community. Like he loved the city and was an integral part in kind of bridging that gap between kind of sac- you know the kings and the wider sacramento kind of uh community like before that they weren't doing as much community stuff out there And you know part of it you have to give credit to vivek as well he's been very good on you know social justice stuff it's just unfortunate that he the kings are so really good at everything except for playing winning basketball oh yeah okay um, yeah. let, let, let's quickly kind of go through, or, or actually, let me ask you, should, should DeMarcus have his Jersey retire?
1: I'd say yes. I mean, like you said, he, he did a lot for us in terms of being a player and being that uh, community guy. So, I mean, players like Zach Randolph at the time, he got his Jersey retired in, uh, uh what you call Memphis. And, uh, I forgot the other guy you mentioned that also Tony brought- Allen. Mm, yeah. I mean, they they were big community guys. And yeah, you know what? Grizzlies uh, decided to uh, retire them.
0: Yeah, but you bring that up. They won a lot of games, <laughs> they, like constant, like multiple seasons of 50 wins that were kind of a dark horse contenders. Like, I mean, they never got past the Spurs or the Warriors, but they were a threat, you know, like. It, it, I, I i mean i get why they got re- they got their jersey retired and like even to a certain degree i guess nick collison although i think since nick collison got his retired you might as well retire demarcus demarcus was much better player mm. and you know was a bigger part of that team than you know i think nick collison ever would be the- theoretically I mean, maybe he did a lot of stuff in the locker room but like ultimately i think I think like the Kings kind of owe it to Demarcus for just botching so much of his career and just wasting his time. And I, I think there are worse players that have gotten their jersey retired than Demarcus.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, hopefully some someday we'll see his jersey retired. I don't know, I don't know when, but he's still playing, so I guess uh, probably hopefully within a few years once he re- he actually retires.
0: Okay. Um, quick, quick fire on this one. Isaiah Thomas is back. Um, he played against the Timberwolves. He did okay. Um, it was a nice story, I will say. Um, here, let, let's get your opinion on it first.
1: Uh, I mean, Isaiah Thomas. It's after all those injuries, and you know, pretty much, I I really thought he was out of the league. I'm going to be honest, and I didn't know he was in the G-League, I, I believe. Briefly, very briefly. Briefly. Oh, I thought he was in the G-League for a while because why would they bring him up after being in the G-League briefly then?
0: Well, you know, the Lakers are, I, 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 I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking on Twitter right now, and Trevor Ariza is trending. Like that, that's where the Lakers are at. They're like saying, well, wait till Trevor Ariza comes back. Like Jesus Christ, that's that's where you guys are at, <laughs> waiting for Trevor Ariza to <laughs> save you. Like that, that's where they're at. And you know, this is not a diss to Isaiah Thomas. Like I think you know gr- he was amazing. He was great when he was here in Sacramento. He was amazing on the Celtics, and like that. I mean, Danny H really fucked him over. And I I think the Kyrie stuff was karma, honestly. And you know, I think. I, it's unfortunate to to see him out of the league and never, you know, get the money that he deserved. But, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like I'm on the I'm on the side of just like he's not in the league for a reason. And honestly, the fact that the Lakers of all people signed him, because I I, I, I thought like I always thought that uh, LeBron didn't like him from his Cleveland days. But like that just shows you kind of how desperate the the uh, the Lakers are. They're looking for literally anything. and Isaiah wasn't in the league for a reason. Now, I know I know. a lot of people think it's a big deal that he lit up a bunch of guys in 24-hour fitness. But, like, that, come on. That, that's not real. That's not competition. Like, feel feel good story. I love I love Isaiah. But, like, again, he, was, he wasn't in the league for a reason.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, I'm surprised. I think he is starting today's game against uh, the Bulls. Oh, Lord Christ. That's where they're at. So Jesus they put Christ. him at point guard and Russell at shooting guard.
0: Yeah, good. Have fun, Lakers fans. Yeah, that, I, yeah. Good. Good luck with that defense. I'll just say that. Hey, maybe Trevor Ariza will fix everything. <laughs> maybe they do need Trevor Ariza in there somewhere. But okay. Well, um, okay. Um, after this uh, short commercial break, we will be going over the Warriors game, which happens. Uh, tomorrow, so by the next time you hear us, it will be Monday after the Warriors game.
1: All right, and we'll we'll see you then.
0: Okay, let, let me preface this. This was a good moral victory, fall. I know it I, is knew, it. I Kings fans, and probably you hate hearing that. This was a good moral victory. I know we I know we got te- kind of blown out. Um, you know, but. It was a good moral victory.
1: I, I guess, can you elaborate?
0: <laughs> because I have no idea what you're getting at. So let me let me give you some stats. Kings were 68% from the free throw line. They had 19 turnovers. Uh, to be fair, the Warriors... Oh, the, well, the Warriors actually... Well, the Warriors had 16. That's quite a bit too. Um, They also shot... Or let me... Let me get with some more stats, but they, they only had seven bench points, seven. And I know on the box score, it says 11, you know, Jemias Ramsey and, uh, Justin Robinson both scored two points. They scored it in garbage time when the game didn't matter at all. So for much of the game, they got seven points from the bench, but the Kings were in this game for much of the game like in the fourth they were close they they looked like they threatened though, although you can of course say like you never felt like they were in danger of like actually beating the warriors but like yeah it's seven bench points
1: yeah <laughs> and guess who were all the points gone to
0: and yeah, of all people, it was Mo Harkless, like <laughs> like you know, known scorer Mo Harkless, uh, was your only bench option. And you know, on a second night of a back to back, like I'm, you know, I'm kind of out on back to backs now, in that I don't think like it's it's like I know like Kings fans, at least like I used to say like. You know, oh, this team is going to play the Kings on a second night of a back-to-back. They're going to be gassed. They're not going to have any energy. You just run, and you'll be able to tire them out. I'm out on that idea now. It's just, like, teams on a second night of a back-to-back, it feels like they play with a chip on their shoulders and always, for the most part, catch someone, like, with their pants down. And the Kings kind of did that to a certain degree. Like, they... They again they had really no business it hanging around the game as much as they did, but they just ended up doing it. And they just you know, with every giant avalanche that the Warriors hit the Kings with, the Kings kind of fought back for much of the game. Until like a very late run that kind of put the game away.
1: Yeah, definitely our, you know, starters fought back the most because, man, forty one minutes from Tyree in this game. He he was the one that uh, 41 minutes you mean or for, did i say what did i say 41, you said 41 points, points that. Uh, okay yeah 41 minutes <laughs> i mean a lot for him but i mean he's the one that you can notice tell that he is trying his hardest whether it's on defense and offense
0: yeah and he, i mean he, like i know it's only 24 points for him but like those were big points like though like steph had 30 points this game I'm not trying to discourage I'm not trying to disparage stuff. I love Steph, my favorite player of all time. Like he had 30 points, but it really didn't feel that way if that makes any sense. Like every point that Halliburton hit like stung a lot. And you know, he he looked like a star this game. Like you the b- biggest stat that actually sticks out, 7 of or 6 of 7 from the free throw line. He he attacked and got and like particularly poor Chrischilosa, just abused by Halliburton, like and getting to the free throw line, he looked like an absolute star this game. And me and you were talking about it. Think about where the Suns would be if they had Halliburton, and on and like if the, if the Warriors, I don't, I don't know if you can get like the Warriors people to say it, but I've, but I can probably put some money money on it that they probably feel like they wish they got this like the fifth or sixth pick as opposed to the second pick in the 2020 draft so that they could have drafted Halliburton and Halliburton would have fit in perfectly with the Warriors
1: yeah I mean in my opinion I think he would have fit in pretty much almost any team to be honest at this point and eh, I'm still grateful that he went it to us <laughs>
0: Again, he looked like a star this game. Like did basically everything he could in, it, in his in his ability to kind of keep the Kings in this game for as long as he as long as they were to the point where they even took a, took a slight a brief lead against uh against the Warriors um in the third. Like they the Kings fought back this game, and you know again on a second night of a back to back when your bench provides you seven points for much of the game. Like they they came out and put up a good fight. They didn't let the uh, Warriors um, win this one easily. Oh, yeah. Um. Let, let's uh, start talking about the players. We just mentioned Halliburton, like Halliburton had a great game, uh, I, not the most efficient by any means. But like he attacked, he, you know, got switches and, and try and attacked again and like got step back threes, even though he only had two. It felt like he had way more. But he was – he looked like a star this game, the maestro that I keep saying, like the orchestrator that he can be. If he can be some – like closer to this version of Halliburton when Fox comes back, you have something. It's just that he doesn't – see, do it. We'll see if he can do it. This was what I was was hoping for when he – like coming into his second year, like be that secondary play – or like honestly be the primary playmaker and have uh, Fox be the primary ball handler. And just attack as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I feel like once we get, you know, Fox, Halburn, Barnes, I'm going to say Mo in the starting lineup and then Rashawn back. uh, I feel like Tyrese would produce a lot more, hopefully, on offense because, you know, we're starting Buddy now and. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll get
0: we'll get to Buddy. Buddy actually mm-hmm. had a pretty decent game. Although I will say, I can't wait for Rashad to come back and send Tristan Thompson back to the bench because my God, like he he did good this game. Like he he always will get you some offensive rebounds, and he will always be able to at least like cause a bit of havoc on that end. on that end but like he has no lift left like every it felt like every time he got the ball going to the rim it would just get stripped or blocked looking like Charles Smith out there against the Bulls like he just he could not get much going and just constantly got blocked like what like I can't wait for Rashawn to come back this is not me for me to shit on you know Tristan as much as it sounds like but he's trying to do what he can but it just doesn't he, he just doesn't have it unfortunately um, yeah. and you know, I can't, I can't wait for, um, Rashad to come back. Um, Metsu was overall pretty good. He shot seven for 12, which was really good for him. It felt, it felt like a five for 16 game for him, but he did, he did what he could. And, you know, like he played good defense and provided, you know, a, an offensive punch, even though he didn't hit any threes, but like he, you know, you felt that he was out there. I I think anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean he ran some plays and you know, grabbed those uh great rebounds and uh got to the basket when he could. I mean, other than that, I really I really can't do much against the Warriors defense.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Warriors defense like they up like they didn't do it like throughout the game, but like sometimes there are moments where they up the intensity and it is scary. Like I kept telling you that during the game, you probably got pretty annoyed like Draymond is the best defender of this generation. Like outside of KG and Hakeem I can't think of anyone that's better. And Scotty, let's not forget Scotty. But like there is no there is no defender like in the modern era that's as good as he is. Like he he is the best pick and roll defender I've ever seen. And then anytime like he was anywhere near a pass, it just felt like he got to it. Like it's it's a special um, I it's a special thing to watch him play defense. I know he's terrible on offense, but like, man, when he he is he is like a legitimate Other than LeBron, is the only other guy that I can think of that can do what he can do on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, let's move on quickly to um, Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald had a had a good game. He had a terrible game in the first half because the, like I. There, there was a quote from Hassan Whiteside last year, where basically I forgot which game it was, but after a pretty um, terrible loss, he called out the team and base, And one of the lines from that uh, interview was him saying, "Do you? Do, I can't even tell if these guys read the scouting reports. Like, how do you guys not know this?" He sent this to reporters, and th- it brought me back to that quote because, like, you know. It, it does feel like the Kings don't read the scouting report sometimes. And like, they don't, they're not prepared for certain things from certain players. Well, you know who does read the scouting report? Draymond. He, he, <laughs> he studies that shit. Like, I haven't seen any – I don't think I've seen any other team do this. They blitzed the shit out of Buddy Heald, and he did not handle it well at all. Five turnovers oh, this game, and most of them were just, like, him getting doubled and just not being able to pass over the long arms of defenders. Like, any that Buddy Heald got a screen and Draymond was anywhere near the vicinity, he jumped that screen and pressured the shit out of Buddy Heald. And they didn't – and, like, you know – and I imagine, like, um, Draymond told GP and uh, every every other guy, press up on Buddy Heal. He cannot blow by you. <laughs> just press up on him, and, like, they just – they pressured the hell out of him. That being said, in the second half, he came alive and hit six threes, and all of them were huge. Uh, again, up until that final, like – until that final, like, um, crunch time stretch, the Kings were threatening. A lot of it was due to Buddy.
1: Yeah, I mean, other than that, it feels like the same old, same old. So I'll start for Buddy. But yeah, mostly this game, I, yeah, it just annoyed the heck out of me seeing uh, him turn over those balls.
0: Um, Barnes was okay throughout this game. I, I didn't think he was bad. I didn't think he was particularly good. Barnes particularly struggles against long, quick defenders and quick wings because he relies a lot on being very kind of what I call tricky. As I mentioned, he's a mix between Giannis and uh, Kyle Anderson, and Kyle Anderson is a guy that you know it he's you know he's slow, and like that slowness actually throws you off. But against smart defenders who don't bite on any of his fakes, you don't you can you can contain him pretty easily. And that's kind of the case with Barnes. Like if you're smart about it, if you're a big, if you're a long athlete, who's around six, eight, six, nine with long arms, it's very hard for Barnes to be able to kind of get around him and be able to score efficiently.
1: Yeah. And I mean, luckily we did get to see a couple of shots or mid ranges, uh, from him, especially over Draymond of all people. And, uh, Looking at his bot score, I'm actually surprised he didn't have more turnovers because it felt like he did. But all I remember was that he kind of fumbled uh, hit the ball. uh, I forgot against against JTA. Yeah, there we go. Went to turnover, fast break. Easy points. So, yeah, I learned that, you know, Mr. Reliable still going at it.
0: And again, as I mentioned, Steph had 30 points. He was not the game. He was not the reason why why the Kings lost this game. It's because it's four for four from Damian Lee from the three. Toscano Anderson had had one three. Otto Porter Jr. was everywhere. Four blocks and you felt every single one of those blocks and two for five from three. Andre Goudala of all people hitting two threes. Draymond Green hitting a three like he had one three where, you know, like every time he caught the ball and was about to shoot the three. Go ahead. But, you know, Mm -hmm. this was one of those games where he hit one and that one stung. Like, it's just like Stephs opens it up for everyone. But at the same time, the Warriors did an okay enough job, I felt, for the most part. The only thing is, is that I don't know why Buddy Hill was on him as much as as much as Buddy was. Buddy did an okay job for Buddy standards. But like uh, down that stretch, like he just blew right by him. And that's kind of where it kind of kills you, although. To be fair, I don't know who you would put on Steph anymore. Like Halliburton is not exactly the answer there, although he did guard him a few times and they did well enough. But you know, guarding Steph is is a team is it's a team effort. Like he is probably one of the trickiest defenders or trickiest guys to guard in the league, and you need a a, a complete team effort from the from the defense to be able to uh, guard him properly. But and unfortunately, the Kings, the, their defense, their defensive communication just isn't there at that level. So, like, they basically gave up a bunch of easy layups. Like, you look at those shooting percentages. Kings actually kind of matched the, the Warriors from three. Like, they um, they were 40% from three, 40.6% from three, and Warriors were 40.5% from three. And they, they made two more threes than us. But if you look at the field goal percentage, it, there's a vast difference there. And the reason why is because of the Warriors offense. They get very they get very creative with some of their screening and they have enough smart players that know how to cut and get easy buckets, you know, uh, capitalizing off of Steph's gravity. And, you know, the the defense of the Kings just wasn't up to par, wasn't up for the task of being able to defend a lot of these actions.
1: Mm -hmm. especially the whole warriors team it's just it's not just like a few players it's the whole team that's just straight up annoying to play against in my opinion and man they yeah they could find ways to you know abuse our defenders
0: and again like they have moments of just absolutely locking down on defense like good you know quarterback by draymond green like Just all the pressure in the world, like the smartest defensive anchoring that I've ever seen from anyone. Like, you know, they they locked up for stretches and it gave them a cushion for for, you know, moments at moments of the game like Kings did fight back and they actually cut into those leads. But ultimately in the fourth quarter, they just kind of ran out of gas and the the warriors finally kind of put the kings out of their misery in a way um <laughs> yeah eh, not really that that's that's a bit harsh i thought again i thought the kings just played well but again on a second item back-to-back in a game they had no business being in like they simply ran out of gas
1: mm-hmm. and also we're missing half our team
0: oh yeah th- that's also a thing like again getting Rashawn Holmes back will help so much. <laughs> Again, sending sending Tristan Thompson back to the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and also, like, what a weird thing. I just, I thought Damian Jones scored. It felt like he did stuff, but, like, you look at 0 for 1 from the field with four rebounds. Like, I thought he did more, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, he
1: had a couple, or actually a few, pretty bad turnovers when uh, trying to go into the paint. I remember. And it also led to another fast break. So, yeah, I don't, actually, now that you mention it, yeah, he didn't even score anything, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those kinds of things where, yeah, again, they got nothing from the bench and somehow were in this game up until the up until like the, I think the six minute mark of the fourth quarter. Like mm-hmm. that again, I hate the, the the term moral victories, but really, this is what this is. And, you know, it sucks that this is the position that the Kings are in. Like, you know, again, the Warriors are probably the best team in the league, although Phoenix might have something to say about that right now. But like they're a damn good team and they showed you why this game. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, like when I saw this game, I was marking it for a loss. And but they gave us a very competitive. The Kings gave a very competitive effort against, you know, one of the best teams in the league, the one that I have marked to win the championship this year. Once Clay comes back, like, you know, again, a overall good game, but it does show you that the Kings, you know, you know, I I know this is probably wild. They're not at the level of of the Warriors. wait,
1: what? <laughs>
0: yeah, they're what? I mean, like they're just not as good as the Warriors, you know. It's it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Maybe someday, maybe
0: someday, you never know. People do forget, like before this dynasty run, I mean, they were right there with us down there, <laughs> down here. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's not a very they have they've been good for, a, a you know, a good stretch, I think almost approaching over over half a decade now. But before that, it was a pretty miserable existence being a Warriors fan. <laughs>
1: yep.
0: I like, never forget, never forget, ne- never let these bandwagon Warriors fans fool you into thinking that the Warriors were always good oh yeah okay um anything else you want to go over before we finally end this long podcast
1: uh not that i could think of unless has there been any uh other nba news since you know <laughs> the beginning of this podcast with the grizzlies
0: uh grizzlies did lose against the thunder that was weird oh, okay um, yeah that is weird and, you know, I mentioned it, I guess it would be earlier in this podcast. It, it was yesterday when we recorded that part, but Ja's back. Yeah, he is back. And they he lose the Thunder. wait played decent. <laughs> actually, he, he played, I haven't checked the box score, so I don't know.
1: I mean, actually, he played pretty well uh, for, you know, coming back. Six for 12, one free, six rebounds, eight assists, but, two steals of a block.
0: But a pretty big, big fat L.
1: I mean, yeah, against OKC.
0: I mean, should we ask the question, are 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 the Grizzlies better off trading Ja for more picks? And that's what the and that's what a quarter of the NBA Twitter will think. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but I mean, like credit, credit to the Thunder. They're a team that plays hard and sometimes they can catch ke- they can catch a talk about catching a team with a with their pants down like the, the Thunder have kind of wrote the book on how to do that. Remember remember they beat the they beat the Lakers twice earlier this season while while trailing i think 20 plus in both games. They're a team that fights hard and of course they beat us pretty embarrassingly. Like they're a team that plays hard, you got to give them credit. Oh yeah. Um are, are you looking at the Spurs and Clippers uh right now?
1: Oh, I just looked at the score. God, yeah. goddamn.
0: God, damn. I was ho- I was hoping for you not look at the score. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. But
0: uh yeah, I mean, Spurs, like, you know, we managed to beat the Spurs for some reason. That was a bit weird. Um, and like they beat the Jazz, actually, the, the I think two nights before they came into the Golden 1 Center. Like, maybe this is something. I don't know. We could beat some teams but not most teams. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, it is, it is the Warriors. So it's, it's not something to fret over. I know a lot of smartasses are going to say, well, I never believe we we're going to win anyways. It's like, yeah sure but if you watch the process of like the game I mean they gave us hope
1: like mm-hmm. there there
0: was something real there you know uh, like again more a moral victory but a big fat L nonetheless and the Kings are I believe will be out of the play in right now if you're going to be paying attention to that although I will say with how the Blazers are playing they'll drop, we'll drop right back in yeah
1: pretty soon enough I mean we're yeah, really close behind the Blazers, and I'm probably not going to check what their schedule is for next season or for this season. But our next game is on Wednesday against the Clippers at 7 p.m.
0: And then after that, I don't believe we had to have a game until Sunday, right?
1: It's either Sunday or Monday, or it might be Sunday. Yeah, against Memphis at oh great another 3 p.m. game
0: yeah it's just i guess like sunday they just have concerts going on or something but yeah um yeah playing memphis again um hopefully this time we win <laughs> you know we're not going to the game most likely so maybe they just decide to win that one for some reason
1: uh, well hopefully we get our you know players back especially like you said Rashawn. and uh i'm pretty sure by that time um Probably health and safety protocols would uh, be uh, hopefully non-existent with our team
0: for now. Uh, Buddy Hill is trending right now. Oh, why is that? What the heck? Yeah, so part of it was because of yesterday with the blow up with Mo. Okay. Other than that, yeah, yeah, I don't know why it's trending. I'm looking at the tweets right now. I don't understand it. Okay. Okay, we're basically out of stuff to talk about. Uh, but I guess last thing I want to quickly mention, uh, Kyrie Irving is back. Um, yeah, he, he immediately went into health and safety protocols. And apparently so did so did half the league. Like, Kem Durant is out. Trey Young is out. Like, ev- it feels like everybody's out one way or the other. Like, of course, our DR Fox is out and most of our roster is out. Like, it's – it's uh, – it's a rough time, and here here here's what I'll ask you. um, do you think that the league will shut down after Christmas because they're not gonna do it before Christmas? That's clear enough,
1: yeah uh, by this rate, mm, it's hard to say I'm gonna say it probably probably not to be honest, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did sometime by the end of the season.
0: I, I think they'll shut down after Christmas. <laughs> I oh, think, yeah. I think it's trending. I think it's trending that way. Um, They, they have to, I think, just because this is an outbreak. Like, right? There's no yeah. way around it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, they have to probably put a stop at some point just because this is going to keep happening. This is just it's just going to be a thing. And you might yeah. as well take about two weeks off and just assess the situation and let the situation mm-hmm. cool down, a.k.a. let everyone get out of health and safety protocols kind of. Just get and then revisit your policy of how you want to actually play this, because there's been talk about about the NBA just letting asymptomatic players who have been vaccinated just keep playing.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how that fans as well. hmm.
0: I mean, I I talked to you about a proposal, just remove the front row seats. I don't think they will just because like just because that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And if you guys didn't know, money does run the world. I don't, I don't you know that's how the world works if you didn't know that's how oh, it is. yeah
1: yeah that's the pretty much the biggest reason why I say they won't shut down because you know lots of money would have been lost especially you know during the time when the uh what's you recall NBA had the bubble pretty much all their money's on what you call it, streaming and tv contracts which I don't remember if they had any <laughs>
0: They have a TV contract, don't you worry. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, last question for you before we close this. So uh, I listened to Matt George talk about this. Um, so, you know, we, we've we pretty much all of King's Twitter is one way or the other done with Buddy Healed. And and basically he proposed a trade that I want to get your thoughts on. So okay. basically, basically he didn't really outline how why the Clippers would really do this to be honest – but trade okay. bu- trade Buddy took to the Clippers for Eric Bledsoe and a young guy. So have I guess your pick of Terrence Mann or BJ Boston was who they brought up. Ooh. Ooh. And, before, and, and before you say anything, Eric Bledsoe has been very bad this season. I know. But he has. There's only three point six. I feel like it's three point. I want to say three point six. It's around three million dollars guarantee for next year. So He would be an wow. expiring after basically we can all we can essentially just partially guarantee that money and waive him, yeah, and to clear him off the books. That's the only reason why you're getting him. You're not getting him to improve this team. I'm sorry, he's not a good player. Um, so uh, but and you get a young player in return. So, would you do this deal? I would really, I, I, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't, but I mean. I, 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 I get I get so why is, I get why though I can I can get the I can get the, the process of the thought process behind it you get a young player and you kind and you can ki- and like you shed Buddy's salary but buddy as I've always kind of mentioned he is useful to a certain degree but like to just get rid of him for a clear minus and another project I, I don't know I don't love that idea.
1: I don't know. Like between man and Boston, which one would you have chosen if you had the choice? Probably
0: Boston, because I don't
1: think they would offer man to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, we need something, some changes, and in my opinion, I don't think Buddy is the kind of guy that would be pretty consistent with our team in the future.
0: Okay. Well, good. Good to hear your thoughts on that. I well, I was very interested in this one. I, I mean, there was it's, Matt George talked about this in the in during the draft of trading down to the tenth pick for, to do this. Oh. Okay. And, you know, ultimately we didn't pull the trigger on that, and he's with the Clippers now. So, yeah, uh, I I wouldn't want Eric Bledsoe on this team. This, no, the, I just think he's a, he's just not good anymore. No,
1: no, no. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well. That's going to be it for this episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this, and we'll be coming back to you guys after the Clippers game on Wednesday night.
1: Yes, and we shall see you guys later.